as the toll of the coronavirus widens here in the U.S. Aggressive action in order to mandate vaccines as much as he How can. worried they should be. Omicron variant on the move. The Biden administration's vaccine mandates that cause holiday chaos. We have been through a lot, America. Get vaccinated. We've been through a disaster, a worldly event, once only portrayed in disaster films or in conspiracy Reddit boards. It's some kind of a germ warfare test they f***ed up. Don't try it! And out of this world never could have imagined it kind of nightmare. But we made it through, despite some on the left saying otherwise. If someone in your family isn't vaccinated, should you ask them not to show up? Uh, yes, I-, I would do that. Today, though, we're facing another just as scary, maybe more, another catastrophe that I don't think any American could have ever imagined would happen here. Prices surging more than they have in 30 years, and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. But this time, we've seen it before. In places so close to home that never before felt ideologically close to home. Until now. The inflation, supply chain shortages, the empty shelves, the insane ways our elite in office are trying to control your money, your kids, your life. All of this began nearly one year ago to this day, and not the day most others in the mainstream media will be harping on over and over and over again for the next several weeks or years. No, this day is when it all went into warp speed. We will be judged. You and I, by how we resolve these cascading crises of our era, will we master this rare and difficult hour? But enough of looking back. Today, I want to warn you about what is coming next to prepare you, your family, and equip you to warn others because the Great Reset is upon us. It is a masterfully an amazingly orchestrated evil plan. I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. That will change everything about the way you live. A plan that thrives off disaster, chaos, and America's decay. A plan that says goodbye to your financial freedom, your property ownership, and your overall say in how our nation is governed. A plan we must stop and stand against today before it's too late before we fall into the hands of communism, socialism, fascism, whatever ism you want to choose. It's the Great Reset. We must stop it before we cease to be a safe haven, a goal for all those around the world dreaming of freedom. So tonight, the plan, the execution that's underway, and the way we can stop it. Tonight, based on my new best-selling book, The Great Reset. Joe Biden and the rise of 21st century fascism. Hello, America. In the next 60 minutes, without a break, we are going to talk about the Great Reset. We are at a crossroads as a not only nation, but also as a way of life. 2018 and most of 2019, our economy was booming. Everybody seemed to be benefiting. Every cross-sectional category that the left wants to divide us in, race, gender, ad nauseum, we're all working and making money at historic levels. And then COVID happened. Suddenly, leaders all over the world were in apparent lockstep overnight, using words like war footing, 
The United Nations and the WHO were seemingly directing this little PR campaign to attribute the COVID response to global action taken after World War One and World War Two. I need you to remember this tactic because it's going to come up a lot during this show. Global government, politicians, globalists, elites all want you to think that we are going through a war and more importantly, reconstruction to build a new world. I, I want to show you that this has precedence. This is not what I'm going to show you tonight is a new it's not a new idea. This is a book from 1942, When the War Ends. Let me just give you a couple of lines. America is at war, and we must win. Once we look to the end of this war, we see a task hardly less gigantic than victory itself. This is the task of turning our economy into peacetime uses. The first task in dealing with the future is try to foresee its outlines and its contours. This calls for bold and imaginative thinking for provision rather than research, to get thinking into useful, lucid, vigorous writing as well. He goes on to talk about how the fulfillment of the goals, if I can quote, of this book uh, are incompatible with a system of business as usual. If business as usual is defined as a condition where prices are set by an open market, where hope of profit is the mainspring of new investment, where the government only acts as an umpire for the system of free enterprise, then we must go surely back past 1913. The world cannot retreat into the world of the free enterprise. This was written by people that were in the FDR administration. The progressive era is over. We are now in the era of the Great Reset. This is the final stage. Now, believe it or not, they're not coming out in the open calling it reconstruction. They're playing it cool uh, with all of their wording. But if you understand the wording, you'll see it everywhere. Listen to this from leaders all over the world. And enable us not just to come through this crisis, but to come back stronger and build back better. But this global pandemic has also created an opportunity to build back better. To keep drawing together our shared experience and insight and enable us to build back New Zealand even better. But the COVID-19 pandemic can also be a moment for resolving long-standing conflicts and addressing structural weaknesses. Four sets of priorities can guide the response to build back better. Build back better. The slogan was used just here, three prime ministers and the, the freaking secretary general of the UN. It is everywhere and it predates the Biden administration. The European Commission used Build Back Better to announce their COVID stimulus fund. The UN uses it all the time. And guess who else? The World Economic Forum. And they make it very clear what this seemingly harmless slogan is truly all about. Let me quote them. To build back better, we must reinvent capitalism. Did you vote for that? Because I didn't. I didn't even hear it discussed. So in other words, Joe Biden's campaign slogan and his main political goal that he and the Democrats are now trying to get passed in the Senate 
is a UN and World Economic Forum propaganda line for the restructuring of all of society and ending capitalism as we know it. I know this is quite a charge. There are about 40 pages or 50 pages of fine print footnotes in my book that is available at glensnewbook.com. Please read this and share that book with your friends. Share this special tonight with your friends. There is no speculation here. I am giving you the facts as laid out by world global leaders. This is what's happening right now. Quite honestly, it's the scariest thing I've seen our government do in my lifetime. Whether you're calling it wartime reconstruction, build back better, or maybe the weirdest of them all, the Great Reset, it is about one thing. The fundamental transformation of the Western way of life, your life. Global elites all over the world are united to ensure that this happens. That's their idea of society, pushed in force on people like you and me, and being told that it's a fantasy or it's not really happening. I've been calling out the Great Reset now for over a year. It has been really hard to nail down. In layman terms, it's exactly what it is. It is a great reset. And it, the threat that it poses is incomparable to anything I have seen. We needed a great reset for dummies, which included me, because all of this is so incredibly complicated. I think it's that way by design. However, in our book, it took us about a year, year and a half to actually put it all together. It came out last week. It is an attempt to cut through all the confusion and show you very plainly what is happening so you can do something to stop it. We'll give you some of those action plans later on in the program. It is called the book, The Great Reset, Joe Biden, and The Rise of 21st Century Fascism. So why did I call it 21st century fascism. Well, I've seen people call the Great Reset socialism, but that's not entirely accurate. I've seen people label it Marxism, but that's not accurate either. Fascism is the closest term I can find, but that's not even perfect because it lacks the 1930s era nationalism. This is exactly what they said in 1942. They ended up calling it System X. They said it's not quite communism or socialism or fascism. It's a new system entirely. Let me show you some of the people pushing Build Back Better and the Great Reset. Then let's cross-reference that with their net worth. First, the head of the Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab. He is listed at $1.3 million. He's a millionaire, but why do I get the suspicion he's got a bit more money than $1.3 million? You have the Prime Minister of New Zealand. She's listed at $25 million. Boris Johnson, $2 million. Prince Charles, $100 million. Bill Gates, $137 billion. Mark Beninoff, who sits on the WEF board as a trustee, $9.5 billion. John Kerry, $250 million. Nancy Pelosi, $120 million. The Obamas, $70 million. Al Gore, $330 million. Joe Biden, who has served his entire life in public service, $8 million, which is weird because in the four years Biden was out of office, he made $17.3 million. Maybe somebody can explain that later on. 
My point here is that all of the people that are so giddy about the Great Reset and the re-engineering of society are either multi-millionaires or multi-billionaires. They are the global elite of the elite. And the companies that they either own or have money in dominate their respective markets. And that, right there, is what the Great Reset is really all about. It is about making some people very rich, lords, ladies, kings, queens, and everyone else a serf. They have already made their money and their power, and they're going to make it against you and your business. Those at the very top are now maneuvering to maintain their grip on elitehood while simultaneously seizing control of anyone else's path to success. That is 21st century fascism. And build back better is the path that puts you on the road to serfdom. Before I go deeper into what the Great Reset will mean for you and your family, I want to go back to what I mentioned earlier, how people pushing all of this are using the term war footing to describe what's happening right now. This is done with a very clear purpose. These remarks are from the International Monetary Fund to the World Economic Forum, specifically about the Great Reset, which, by the way, is having their meetings in Davos this week. This, what I'm going to show you, was written by the IMF's managing director. At the near end, she calls out three specific things. World War II, Bretton Woods, and William Beveridge. This should tell you, if you know anything about history, everything you need to know regarding how the global elite view the times that we are living in right now. Let me explain. In the middle of World War II, leftist academics in the UK were plotting the use of war footing to initiate a full-on socialist takeover of Britain. It was Winston Churchill that stood in their way, but he was quickly brushed out of office after war. The London School of Economics, they, were, they had two competing voices. There was William Beveridge, who the IMF director just admired uh, and sold to the WEF, and an economist named F.A. Hayek. You remember who Hayek is. He's the guy who wrote The Road to Serfdom. Hayek was the guy trying to warn everyone that this plan was being hatched, how socialists were looking to make countries' wartime powers permanent. The Labor Party and Beveridge, they were crafting proposals to begin the nationalization of industry. The Labor Party, the socialist party in Europe, issued a pamphlet called The Old World and the New Society. Listen to their main points and see if any of this sounds familiar. There must be no return to unplanned competitive world of the interwar years in which a privileged few were maintained at the expense of the common good. Don't return back to normal. A planned society must replace the old competitive system, an end to free market capitalism and merit. The basis for our democracy must be planned production for community use. We're all stakeholders in this. We can't just go for profit. As a necessary prerequisite to the reorganization of society, the main wartime controls in industry and agriculture should be maintained. This is before the Great Reset. Way before the Great Reset. 
This is why they are always comparing today to World War II or World War I. This is why the left has declared Joe Biden as the second coming of FDR. And the mention of Bretton Woods, no big deal. It's just the single largest event that changed the international monetary system in history. It's what made America number one and put old empires into the dusty annals of history. This is why the understanding of the Great Reset is so important and the Biden administration is leading the charge towards 21st century fascism. I want you to listen to John Kerry. Here he is addressing the World Economic Forum about the Great Reset. Are we expecting too much too soon uh, from the new president or is it going to deliver first day uh, on this uh, topics? Uh, the answer to your question is no, you're not expecting too much. And yes, it will happen. And I think it will happen with greater speed and with greater intensity than a lot of people might imagine. It will happen with greater speed and intensity than people might imagine. The way we make a living, the culture, the entire country, the entire Western free world is being fundamentally changed. And it is going on every day right under our noses. The book, The Great Reset, Joe Biden and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism, goes into all of the details. But my goal tonight is to give you a little glimpse of what you are going to read. After tonight's show, uh, after reading the book, you'll be able to fully answer any questions someone might have on what's going on. So what is going on? Well, let me show you what we have what we, where we are and what we're headed towards. And this all has to do with the free market and stakeholder capitalism. The free market is where somebody has an idea, you, and you think I can make somebody's life a lot easier if I just make whatever, I build it and I sell it. So you do that and there's no regulation on it. You, you make it, you sell it, it's your idea. And you either have the success or the failure. Now, if you have success, you think maybe there's a lot of people that would like this, but I don't have the money. The government protects this idea as yours because of a patent. So you take this idea and you go to the stock market or you just go to a bunch of friends and you say, I'm going to share. I'm going to sell shares in my idea and I'm going to raise the money so I can make more of these things. Then you and the people who are shareholders, you either share the profit or the failure. That's the free market. And it all revolves around somebody having an idea of making somebody else's, uh, somebody else's life easier. And then others saying, well, I want to be a part of that. It all revolves around you and the needs of people. Where we are now is crony capitalism. This is why it doesn't work anymore. This is where all of this happens, but then companies get really big and governments go corrupt. And so the government picks and chooses winners. They say, oh, you know what? Uh, no, that's social media. That, that platform's very important. The other one's not. They protect the winners They by using and creating new laws, usually written by the corporations, they enact these new laws, they enforce things selectively, it becomes totally corrupt. You are now having to pay to play 
or you're just having to have a whole bunch of lobbyists to be able to get your idea the one that is protected. That's crony capitalism. That's what we have now. It doesn't work. It's bad because it's all corrupt. So our choices are that one, which Winston Churchill said is bad, but it's the best of the rest. You also have communism, where the state owns everything, including you, your right to live, your right to eat, all of your rights. You either obey or they kill you. That's communism. Fascism is a public-private partnership. The government approves and directs business, banking, sales, all of it. The experts lead, and they look at the country and say, what is the country, what does the country need to be able to compete and be successful? We need more widgets. So they approve a company with private ownership to make those widgets. The minute that company falls out of line with the government, those people no longer own that company or they just disappear in the middle of night because under fascism, it again is obey or die. That brings us to stakeholder capitalism. All right, so what is that? Just like when John Kerry stated to the WEF, a lot of things are happening lately that, that are happening at just rapid speed and intensity. And what, what is really going on? It's almost as if you need a Rosetta Stone why, what, what is stakeholder capitalism? Why, why are we asking for that? Why are large corporations all going woke and wading into political debates? Why did the stock market substantially go up despite one of the biggest global economic collapses in history? The supply chain collapses, nobody's able to really do business and the stock market goes up? How are housing prices skyrocketing today when now the average person can't afford it? Why is Washington, D.C. spending trillions of dollars more than the government takes in? And why is it that nobody seems worried about inflation? What are the central banks all over the world talking about when they're talking about creating their own digital currencies? Why are social media giants scrambling to stifle speech at every turn? Why are parents being silenced? Why are you not in charge of your children? Why were the size and scope of the corona-related stimulus programs so incredibly huge, and yet they did not go to the average person? Why did government officials distribute thousands of dollars to families who never lost their jobs or suffered any economic hardships during the pandemic. And yet businesses that were struggling to keep their doors open or stay alive got nothing. Why were massive corporations like Home Depot allowed to stay open during the COVID-19 pandemic while our local True Value hardware was forced to close? Why is it I can get onto a plane and I have to wear a mask in between bites on a plane that has all kinds of controls on cleaning the air. But I can go into any restaurant and as soon as I sit down, I don't have to wear a mask. Why has President Joe Biden worked so hard to impose coronavirus vaccine mandates on Americans, regardless of whether they have developed a natural immunity? Why aren't we talking about natural immunity? 
Why are people who have been vaccinated forced in many states to still wear masks in public places, even if there's nobody really there? Every single answer is the same. Every single question is connected. It is all part of a radical transformation of government and society into a heavily top-down system, one where you will not own anything, to quote them, by 2030 you won't own anything, and you'll like it. You won't make your own decisions. You won't operate your own business outside of their utopian system. It is the Great Reset. Tonight, I want to answer probably the most important question you're asking right now. Okay, what, so wait, what does that mean for me? Let me start with the first question I just asked. Why is the left suddenly calling for something called stakeholder capitalism? Here's the head of the World Economic Forum, literally the one who wrote the book on it. The World Economic Forum has been trying to teach it ever since, but it has been taught since the turn of last century, and it is everywhere now. And it has gone way beyond history, Klaus Schwab or the people in Davos. Fortune magazine is now singing its praises, stakeholder capitalism. American corporations are running PR for it. It's even been pushed into universities all across the country. This is one from Harvard. It is everywhere. Everywhere you get your news media from, every company that you buy things from, work at, universities that are educating or re-educating your children, they are all on board. But again, what is it? Well, I just showed you how um, the free market works. I showed you how um, communism works, corrupt capitalism, and fascism. I mentioned F.A. Hayek earlier and the socialist in his days who were trying to push something they called competitive capitalism. It's just really window dressing for socialism. Stakeholder capitalism is what we're talking about today. It's exactly the same thing, except it is more like window dressing for 21st century fascism. Stakeholder capitalism is a system where companies are forced to prioritize climate, social justice, and governance over supply, and demand, and profits. So how does this affect you? Well, in the free market, your demands are prioritized by companies because you matter. You are the market. You are the one they want you to come in and buy their product. So you drive things. Under stakeholder capitalism, you don't get the products you want. You don't get the cars or the houses or energy. You get what is politically approved. It is indeed a public-private partnership, and they talk about it at length. A public-private partnership. That is the beginning of fascism. You see, they're no longer in business of providing you with what products you want. They're now in it to make money based off their relationship with the government and the thing the government is trying to promote. That brings us into my next question. Why are large corporations all woke and wading into political debates? Well, we remember Nike did an ad campaign for a bad quarterback whose main claim to fame was demonizing the entire country because apparently all cops are racist. Oh, and they actually gave him an Emmy for it. Very brave. 
Gillette, not to be outdone, did an ad that featured a father teaching his transgender son to shave. Dick's Sporting Goods came out against guns. Gucci began donating to gun control activists. What the hell is going on? Go woke? Go broke? That seems like that makes sense. But no, it's apparently a good business model. All these companies are doing it. Why? What do they know that you don't know? Coca-Cola is probably the best at offering a good explanation. They have gone way off the woke deep end lately, whether running Love is Love ads in Hungary or having their employees take training courses on the evils of being white. The course wanted to remind everyone to, quote, try to be less white. Coke is it. And here's the woke train. So rather than just submitting annual financial reports, they now publish business and sustainability reports. Remember, this is a glimpse at the future. Their annual report now includes sections such as how much they invest to give back to the community, how much they're investing in women entrepreneurs, what's their track record on human rights, and what is their carbon footprint? I just like a good sugary soda. That's what I want Coke to do. I want to show you the text from a speech Janet Yellen just gave to the G20 last year. She's the head of our treasury. She lays out perfectly what going woke is really all about. Quote, over the last several years, ESG investing has increased tremendously. ESG fund assets have grown from just $10 billion in 2015 to $246 billion in March 2021. Okay, so I'm, I'm a little confused. Is it really about saving the planet from fossil fuels and white supremacists? Or is it about the dollar bill? She goes on and check this out, quote, while we have been discussing ESG principles and indicators for infrastructure in the G20, the private sector has launched ESG infrastructure initiatives. I commend these efforts and would urge greater collaboration between government and private sector initiatives. So according to our own treasury, the government is already working on infrastructure while the private sector is revamping to get in line. This is why we've suddenly got a wave of com co uh, companies pressuring state governments to get in line with the federal government. Hundreds of billions of dollars and soon trillions of dollars are now being moved all across the chessboard. Let me explain the difference here. First, let's start with the free market. As I just explained just a few minutes, it revolves around you. Let me be really clear. Here I am, a big fat guy, and I love McDonald's and I love McDonald's shakes. Okay? So all I want is a shake. All I want is a, you know, a, a burger and fries. They're the best. The free market decides where the McDonald's is, okay? The government doesn't come in. What happens is they do research and they say, where are there a lot of fat people that really like shakes and fries? We should build a McDonald's there. And that's where they build them. It's not by chance, it's by the market. How many people around want McDonald's? Let's build it there. This is the free market. Stakeholder capitalism is 
quite different. Here I am, the big fat guy, and all I want is a burger and fries, but the government says, you're too fat. You're hurting us in healthcare. You're, you're hurting us in longevity of life, and you're ugly to look at. I mean, put the burger down, man. So what does stakeholder capitalism do? See, shareholder capitalism is saying build the McDonald's because people are going to buy it and you'll make money off of it. Stakeholder capitalism is the government and companies saying, you know what? We should not have all these fat people. So I'm going to build a garden utopia. Uh, and it's all going to have just rabbit food, stuff this guy's not going to want to eat. But we're going to punish McDonald's. We're going to tax them. We're going to make sure that they go out of business. And then we're going to help pick the garden utopia so people cannot be fat anymore. That is stakeholder capitalism. What has this company done to help these people? It has nothing to do with you and your desires, your needs, your wants. So they've come up with ESG, Environmental, Social Justice, and Governance. These scores will go all the way to you, which I'll show you in a minute. Environmental, energy, water, land. How much land do you have? Are you dedicating that to a preserve? How about water? What's your water usage? What's your energy uses, usage? Are you using renewables? How many cars do you have? How much gas do you use? Environmental, E, that score will go down if you don't have a house that has solar panels, if you're a company that engages at all with dirty fuels. Social justice, how woke are you? Have you told your people to be less white? Are you anti-police? Is it okay to uh, protest and march and burn down cities for BLM, but definitely not, you know, because you are against the vaccine mandates? Then great. You're going to do great on social justice scores and governance, your business. How many women do you employ? How many minorities? Who's on the board of directors? Here's the great thing. When it comes to stakeholder capitalism, it's not shareholder. It's not you. It's the stakeholders. It's the government, the governments of the world, the banks, and the businesses. But you know how they have a board of directors? Yeah, the government has what in uh, ESG land is called a golden stake. So even after all of this, if the company says, yeah, but we're not going to do that. that, that's just not good for us. The golden stake can be driven through their heads by the government, and they will say, no, you are doing this. That's ESG. Now, that's the lever that they are using, as Janet Yellen just mentioned. ESG, environmental, socialist, uh, social, and governance. Basically, if a bank or a company doesn't meet the standards of those three metrics... Then they're giving a load grade that looks similar to a credit score. Credit doesn't matter. How are you in the, on the environment? How are you with women's issues? What happens when you get a low or failing credit rating? Well, you're locked out because that's not the direction the world is going. And so you become a risk to the bank and to the community. So will this affect you? 
I want to show you something. We were recently given this screenshot from somebody that has assets at Merrill Lynch. They now have been assigned an ESG score of 4.7. Now imagine if you got an email from a bank or an insurance company, maybe even your employer, stating that your credit score had dropped to 470. Imagine what they could do to you. The framework is exactly the same, and it is being implemented at the very top. Much of the groundwork for the Great Reset was laid out back in 2015, but they lacked serious crisis to kick it into high gear. Can I ask you a question? Who's actually following the Paris Climate Agreement back in 2015? Because I wasn't. Usual junk, talk about it at the time, saving the planet from imminent, you know, spontaneous, fiery floods or whatever. The moment Donald Trump descended that escalator, pretty much all the media went attention in that direction. Paris Climate Accords. There was hardly any critical analysis on the scarcely disclosed side details. The Paris Agreement was crazy. We had to be in it. But it wasn't about cutting fossil fuels. It was really about the first half, finances. It was about the redistribution of wealth and permanently altering the global financial system. I want you to check this out in the fine print. Quote, Article 2.1c of the Paris Agreement mandates country parties to make financial flows consistent with a pathway towards low greenhouse gas emissions and climate resilient development. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So all participating members, including us, now have to alter their banking practices? How did we miss it? No one was looking for it. Who can afford to alter their business model around vague rules regarding the environment and social justice? Well, I'll tell you who can do that. Giant global corporations. They can afford to absorb the losses and make the transition. They will get bigger. Sorry, small businesses. You're all screwed. They also will help write all of the rules because they have the money for Washington or Brussels or wherever those laws are going to be written. This is what they think of you. Of course, large businesses like Amazon uh, and McDonald's, for example, can can and perhaps should pay more. But I'm, I'm wondering, what is your plan for smaller businesses? How does this, in your view, affect mom and pop businesses who are just struggling to keep their doors open, keep workers on the payroll right now? Well, they shouldn't be doing it by paying people low wages. We don't want uh, low wage businesses. OK, can't afford you can't afford things like big companies can, so we don't want you. They loathe you. They hate everything about you and the system we have. They see you and me and all of us as one thing, collateral damage. Just watch. As this begins to escalate, they hold press conferences publicly shaming and bragging about the companies that are forced out of business due to non-compliance. The Obama administration was well on board on this. Is there any question now why Trump pulled us out of the Paris Accords? You don't mess with people's money and their lives. But that's exactly what the global elites began plotting back in 2015. To follow your money and choke it off at the source. There was a side meeting conducted in Paris between the world's leading financial institutions. Two organizations took the lead setting up the framework to fundamentally alter global finance. It was the World Bank and the UN. 
Together, they outlined what is now called the United Nations Environment Program Finance Initiative. They brought together 230 banks and insurance companies to draft a methodology that would bend the private sector to the will of the government by using banks as a pressure point. You remember when they started talking about taking guns away and just making it too difficult for gun stores to make money, get loans, have insurance? This is the Great Reset, except it's on everything. I want to show you a graphic from their own report. It shows exactly what they're trying to do. They plan on completely turning off the money involved in what they call high-carbon economy and redirect it to green companies. But remember, that's only the E in ESG. The graphic shows again here what they have to gain. All the dividends will go to the investors. Investors, think like BlackRock who I told you about on other shows and who have pledged to only invest in companies that are making this transition. They are the largest investment firm ever in humankind on planet Earth. They direct funds to the banks that bend the knee, who then give to green companies, and all the profits flow back to the people at the top, the ones that are pushing this whole damn thing. This is all about money and controlling it before anyone else gets their foot in the door. This is why they must push going green now before technology is even ready for it. Control, control, control. We have a war to fight. This is the methodology they worked up and really announced to the world in 2015. The first thing they had to do was align the banks toward what governments were to write policy on. It was a four-step process. One, measuring. They had to come up with a system that rated both banks and companies on their risk to the climate. I'll come back to this in a second, but it sounds an awful lot like a climate credit score, doesn't it? Setting targets was number two. Once a business or a person has been weighed and measured, then they show you what you need to do to improve to stay in business. Three, Reorienting or steering. This is where the money is either refocused or halted altogether because somebody is pushing back. You'll see this a little later on in the program. But those who don't toe the line will be a victim to what they call exclusion measures. Wow, how very Stalin and fascistic exclusion uh, measures. The next one is tracking progress. This is where they make you stand in line once you're firmly under their boot. Forget this for a second that the bankers seem to be making decisions that run counter to their business models. You know, making money. We are abandoning the free market system. Now, how is any of this legal? Well, they're not, they're not doing anything the Constitution says they can't do. This is all people's choice. They're all just, that's it. Just people, big companies, they're just making these choices. Banks are just making new choices. Their own graphic from their own reports clearly show the entire reason for all of this is to reap the financial benefits. There is a ton of cash out there, and they're going to gobble all of it up. Surely, governments, especially ours, would make sure that these big banks and big businesses would not just steal everyone blind on the planet. 
Again, from their own reporting, they openly brag about collusion between banks and governments. They even list a U.S. investor group that met regularly with members of Congress and communications with Obama. I wonder if any of those members of Congress were from the GOP. GGOP, you should find out before I give you the answer. Why do I kind of doubt that the majority are from the GOP? I wonder how many members of Congress began reorienting some of their own portfolios to, uh, to include some of these green investment firms and green companies once they got word on what was coming. If you think this was stopped by Donald Trump pulling out of the Paris Accord, I've got some bad news for you. I want to show you a list of banks that were full-on partners with the UN and Paris Accords. You don't see many American banks. Whew, that's good. Certainly not any big names. Can you imagine the uproar with both within the government and people and businesses if they knew that banks like, say, like Bank of America, Chase Manhattan, were now taking marching orders from climate activists at the UN and World Economic Forum? Would you maybe consider refinancing your home with someone outside of that ridiculousness? I know I would. I know I would remove the funds from banks like that. I already have. I would go down and uh, and just do that right now. And, you know, I, I would assume that they wouldn't care because they're worried about the climate and not actual people or money. You know, none of these banks really catch an eye at all. If you look at it until this one, because this one caught my eye. It's from America. I'd never heard of it. The amalgamated bank. Doesn't that sound like something from the, you know, Spider-Man world? It was one of the few U.S. institutions that was an original signatory, Paris Climate Accords. It is also the largest owned union bank in the country. They're owned by Workers United, which is the affiliate of SEIU. I mentioned earlier in the show that the World Bank and U.N. were collaborating at the global level back in 2015, and U.S. financial institutions were basically a no-show. But a banking group in the Netherlands took their methodology and created a private organization called Partnership for Carbon Accounting Financials, or PCAF. In 2018, Amalgamated Bank here in America took their private model based off the UN Paris Accord initiative and led the charge to begin implementation here in America. After all, it's a public-private partnership. Remember that graphic I showed you earlier that someone had showed their ESG score from Merrill Lynch? If, actually when, you start receiving these, you will notice how they allocate these scores. To put it mildly, it's a little vague. Here's a quick representation for how they're going to start grading you. And it comes directly from a PCAF report on the entire system. You will be graded with your risk assessed based on the things and services you buy, how much electricity you use, if you own a business, how much travel is involved, how much do you make your employees commute, how many buildings or houses do you own, how many company vehicles are there, what exactly do you invest in, on and on. And if your score is too high or not with the government and the banks and the corporations, you'll be deemed a high risk and you'll be given a low score. Now, 
If you think anyone will be excluded from this, oh, this is just for the corporations, I want you to look again at who would and what will be affected. Again, from their own disclosures, personal mortgages, commercial real estate, business loans, listed equity, energy finance, and even your car loan. This is every single aspect of your financial life and future. And we haven't even gotten to the kids and schools. Are you concerned yet? This has not gone mainstream. And today on radio, I talked to several people, one in New Hampshire. I talked to the treasury in West Virginia, uh, Texas, the comptroller here in Texas. There are moves being made, but they must be made at the local and state level. And it is urgent that you call your representative today, tonight, write to them. Now, the U.S. banks were a no-show at the U.N. and Paris Accord. But let's see who shows up now at the private PCAF group that nobody knows. Oh, oh, crap. It's Bank of America and Citi and uh, Co-America and Morgan Stanley. And these are just the banks that had the balls to come out about it to the public. So who else has adopted the U.N.'s methodology? Did they do it in a way to avoid the U.N. and Paris Accord public lists and avoid scrutiny? Who's pissed off that their climate footprint will soon be given a credit score to measure their financial risk? This is insane. This is 21st century fascism. There's no other name for it. It was called that and laid out at the turn of last century. Now, this was all set for an initial test run by 2019. Bank of America has already gone public that they are adopting this radical new reinvention of the financial system. This is the way the government under Joe Biden is going to force big corporations into bed while crushing their smaller competitors. You'll notice he keeps talking about those big corporations. I urge them to make sure that everybody is mandated, even if the Supreme Court says no. They will do all of this by applying pressure through banks that you and I have trusted with our life savings. A lot of changes are going to happen this year. And by and large, we have missed it. The leaders of 450 banks met in Paris just two years ago to announce they are all in on their commitment to pushing forward. I want to show you a quote from that meeting. We will promote social justice policies to reduce inequalities, including through support to tax, redistributive and domestic resource optimization approaches, social safety nets or and insurance schemes. Gee, I wonder why they wouldn't why they would want to deny all this and wouldn't want it out in the public. But it's gone so far. They don't mind that you know it. Does it sound like they have your best interest in mind? I want you to see the opening line. And remember, these are bankers that wrote this. Quote, we, public development banks of the world, gathered for the first time here in Paris, commit to support the transformation of the global economy and societies. If that's not hair-raising, terrifying, I don't know what is. It's not scary at all. I mean, I mean, after all, nobody's including you in any of this. 
One month after that meeting, the U.N. Finance Initiative met in December and published this report. These are the preliminary results from two years of testing and what we're all about to see right now. They called it a pilot program that went into effect in 2019. These are the banks that are involved. Again, you'll hardly notice any U.S. banks listed outside of Labor Union Amalgamated Bank, but they brought the framework to the U.S. through a private entity. Now, we can assume the same timeline was being followed over here, which matches up with moves from Bank of America, and most recently, this statement from Citibank. There are no punches pulled in this report. They make it very clear what's about to happen. Quote, achieving net zero emissions will require an entire whole economy transition. Every company, every bank, every insurer, every investor will have to adjust their business models, end quote. Multiple case studies were published spanning two years of testing. There's a bank in France that laid out what they called climate vulnerability index. In other words, your climate credit score. Check this out. The approach aims to assess transition risks by quantifying the marginal impact of the climate scenario on the credit rating of the borrowers for a set of priority sectors under the assumption that the borrower does not adapt to this scenario. So bend the knee or lose your credit. But let's say you do put your foot down. Let's say that I, as a business owner, say, to hell with all of you, this is Orwellian. What happens? Section four of the report makes it very clear. Anyone caught out of compliance and unwilling to conform will be dealt with through what they call exclusion policies. This Belgian bank announced a complete shutoff of financing, including insurance for all coal-related products as well as energy companies that use any kind of coal. It brings it a little more chilling when you hear people say, we should cut off people's health care if they don't do what the government says. All of this is being copied by the private bank organization here in the U.S. The bank that brought that framework to America, Amalgamated, stated that during the year of testing, 90% of their operations had been brought under this revamped financial system. 90%. And if you think nothing will change because I don't own a business, think again. Here are the listed areas that will be affected from their own research. Quote, Residential mortgages, commercial real estate, business lending, and project finance. Other disclosures listed auto loans as well. So whether you're buying a car, a house, starting a small business, investing in the stock market, just checking out your 401k, everything will be monitored and touched by this. They have covered all of the bases to use finance to force a public-private oligarchy. The U.N. Finance Initiative even lists the partnerships with insurance companies. Imagine how badly that's going to be abused. And if they can't get you as a climate risk, don't worry. Social issues, they have that section. They aim to, quote, clarify how human rights and a wider social issue relate to the activities of finance institutions. Whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. I personally think President Trump knew what was coming. I believe that's why he ordered the OCC to require large banks to provide fair access to bank services, capital and credit right before he left. The rule went into effect the week before he left office. But it also puts into context 
entirely new context when Joe Biden, week one, when he became president, promptly put that hold, uh, that rule on hold. This is the strategy to take control. Everything else is a game. If they have your money, they have everything. They've already chosen who will survive and who will not. And if you want to know who wins, well, may the odds always be in your favor. Hunger Games. If this continues, it'll be two classes, the government and the corporate elites, Coca-Cola, Walmart, big tech. If your balance sheet shows profits in the tens of hundreds of millions of dollars, you're safe. If not, as this Democrat said. Of course, large businesses like Amazon uh, and McDonald's, for example, can can and perhaps should pay more. But I'm, I'm wondering, what is your plan for smaller businesses? How does this, in your view, affect mom and pop businesses who are just struggling to keep their doors open, keep workers on the payroll right now? Well, they should be doing it by paying people low wages. Got it. Why were massive corporations allowed to stay open during the COVID-19 pandemic? Everybody else had to close. That's the answer. They don't want you. They don't like you and your collateral damage in the Great Reset. A small business can defy the system. They operate outside of the government corporate oligarchy. That makes you public enemy number one. And ESG is merely a framework for control. It's all about forced compliance and establishing that public-private partnership. Today, ESG stands for environment, social, and governance. But tomorrow, that can be changed to elephants, shoes, and golf. Who's in control? Who is changing the system? There is so much more to talk about here. Um, I, I know you must be thinking, okay, this is, I mean, this is crazy. And surely our constitutional system will step in at some point, provide a safeguard. There's got to be a roadblock. There really isn't. Uh, this is something that is beyond the Constitution. Uh, they have figured out an end run of the Constitution. However, I don't believe I have ever been as optimistic, uh, especially on this particular topic, ever. Things are changing. The minute you start to understand what this is and how it's going to be used against you and that it's not a conspiracy, everything is 100% verifiable, then you say to yourself, well, I got to get my money out of the big banks. I want to go to a local bank. Make sure that they're not part of any of this. Uh, I'm not going to invest the way I have been investing. I'm certainly not going to invest in companies like BlackRock. Uh, I, I'm going to make sure that this is really the number one litmus test for the election. Because this is not about politics. This isn't about Republicans or Democrats. This is about a global elite. This isn't about Marxism or socialism or communism. This is about... Global power elites that are putting you in a box. It's a circular. It's the government decide what needs to be done along with the businesses and the banks decide to fund whichever business. And the experts say, yep, that's good. And back up to the government. And you're in the middle of it. It has nothing to do with you. By the way, you are a stakeholder in this system, meaning that when you go and vote for your elected representative, you voiced your opinion. Have you heard any of your politicians, anyone in Washington talking about this yet? If they don't know what the Great Reset is, they need to be fired. They need to go home.
if they know what it is and they're willing to help you stand up, then those are the people that should serve in Washington, D.C. I have so much more on this. We're going to continue to discuss this uh, issue on theblazetv.com uh, slash Glenn. Use the great reset, become a member, and don't forget, grab the book. All the footnotes are there. Glenn's new book.com.